Hey guys, it's been a few weeks. Sorry about that. Things got really busy for both Megan and I. Around the time we recorded this, it was before the 2020 presidential election. So congratulations again for the 18th time to President-elect Joe Biden and Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Uh, he was not our first choice. We were both Bernie supporters, but this is a step in the right direction. I cannot wait to ruthlessly criticize this man for four years. In other news, uh, Megan will mention this in the episode, but she recently became a mother and she is doing a great job. So everyone, congratulate her. And I hope you enjoy this episode about seminal American classic, American Psycho. Thanks. Hello there. Uh, welcome to Dear Fandom, where everything you like is terrible, and that's okay. I'm Megan. And I'm Hillary. And I'm, I know technically to the audience I haven't been gone, but to this I've been gone because about a month ago I gave birth. And so if you hear some cooing and some gurgling, that would be my little girl because uh, you can't just put her in a stroller and be like, all right, I'll be back in 25 minutes. See you later. <laughs> the baby has logged into the chat. <laughs> Yeah, so um, uh, she has just as much a right to exist in this podcast, probably more so than you do. Not that we don't love you, audience, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's she's definitely. I'm so she just turned a month old very recently, um, and it's been uh, it's been kind of crazy. Uh, I will say that no matter, I can't imagine that motherhood is easy at any age and I was like very ready I'm like I'm gonna be able to do this but for multiple weeks in a row I'm like what is sleep and how do I get it <laughs> exactly I I don't think you're ever fully prepared and no. I think that um and I do have a seg like from this tangent to kind of lead into our episode especially like molding your child into like what they could become and you have ultimately Beyond a certain point, you have no control over it, and they could become an American psycho. That's <laughs> <laughs> and that's today's episode, guys. And that's a wrap. See you next Thanks, week. Thanks, bye. <laughs> um, you know, I, uh, so I was actually trying to find American Psycho to stream online, and it's always like I feel like American Psycho comes and goes every other month. Like it's like Silence of the Lambs in that sense. It's just like uh, the month you want to watch it. Sorry, not here. Pay for it on YouTube, and you're like, I, I was gonna okay. Um, so I wanted to get like a refresher cause I don't own it on DVD. Um, there, I do own a lot of DVDs. American Psycho is not one of them. Uh, but I've seen it enough times that I'm, I'm pretty confident that I know the plot backwards and forwards. Oh yeah. I've seen this movie <laughs> probably like seven to 10 times. Yeah. I'd say probably me for like, I want to say it's more than that. Like in terms of just. Uh, it's one of those movies that I just find so hysterical, and that makes me sound like I'm a psycho, so that's fun. Um, but it's so let me just give a really quick synopsis like f five second synopsis. So it's the story of Patrick Bateman, and uh, Patrick Bateman is a uh, vice president of a multi million dollar corporation in New York City set in the 80s, starring Christian Bale. And uh, basically, he gets away with murder, literally. Uh, I mean it in the most severe sense of the word. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and a lot of this, the, the movie is about him getting away with murder. And then towards the very end, it's this very cerebral, open-ended, did he murder anyone in the first place? Were these all inside of his head? Or were he, was he literally getting away with murder? Yeah, you don't know whether, and it like calls to mind the sort of like men enacting revenge fantasies. Um, we talked about... Um, we talked about 
the the male um, male revenge fantasy in our last episode, um, Fight Club, which was a very blue collar version of it, very much like blowing up credit organizations and very grandiose schemes. Yes. And this is the white collar version where it's like getting your raw hands and acting on your most primal instincts. Yes. Yeah. And getting away with it due to your um, wealth and your inherent power that you have as uh, a, a, I guess a, a, a member of society that is considered more valuable, uh, you know, not not obviously objectively. Everyone is, I believe, truly worth the same. Like, I don't believe any CEO is worth any more dollars and cents than any other human on this planet. No. But uh, so objective. So with Patrick and his ilk, subjectively, they are considered more valuable to society than the people that Patrick kills, such as homeless people and sex workers. Uh, I mean, specifically, those were two of the kinds of people that Patrick killed. But he also killed, I mean, people in his own uh, echelon. He killed uh, Paul Allen and he killed um, that friend who was, uh, I guess he was doing cocaine with in the middle of the film when he invited... Uh, the. It's this movie is so interesting with the sense that Patrick is not like your traditional serial killer, like in in terms of a true crime sense. Serial killers usually have a subset that they target. It's you know sex workers, um, uh, disadvantaged people, children, women, uh, you know brunettes, things like that. And Patrick is just kind of like um, I like killing people, and as long as you're a person, you're it. Like even a kitten. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's kind of an opportunist in a way. Yes. He's sort of like, he truly lacks impulse control. And like, he's one of those people who will have an intrusive thought. And instead of being like, oh, this is an intrusive thought, he'll be like, oh, let me act on the intrusive thought. It's so funny to me because impulse control for me, uh, you know, it's, it's very much like, oh, I want to do this thing. I'm going to do this thing. And I did this thing. And it's, it's it kind of works the same way for Patrick. But also in the same sense, he has a 48 minute morning routine of just a shower and face products. And then he has exercise on top of that. And I'm just like, I would not have the impulse to do all of that shit all at once <laughs> well it's selling i mean same girl like, <laughs> I, I don't get time for that shit i um, literally like he's like and then i apply my uh, mud mask rub and i'm like i oh god how much is all of that product <laughs> but i think i think that um that sort of that scene and the fact that we know that sequence of events is to highlight what a vain man he is to 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 sell the fact that he puts this much care into keeping up appearances because yeah, his I, whole life is keeping up appearances. I mean, um one of the things I actually found out very like, literally within the last couple of days, it was uh I was reading something about Tom Cruise. Um you know, as you do for fun. Sure. <laughs> Scientology. Love it. Uh and Christian Bale based the the affectation of Patrick Bateman like when he's around people on Tom Cruise about Get how it's just out. dead happiness. It's literally dead happiness. There's it's it's just a joyful cheeriness, and you look into their eyes and you're like, oh, there's no soul in there. <laughs> oh my god, it's like um, it's like that interview he did on Oprah where he did like essentially gymnastics across the studio, and then like nothing I, from the head up. It was um because it was it was a post about uh Tom Cruise's like uh you know, dexterity with a gun and, and how it's used in tactical training. And then somebody responded and they're like, I'd love to see him as a villain. And then what happened was a chain of comments that were just 
all of the quotes he said in Tropic Thunder, which I to this day is the best Tom Cruise role I've ever seen because he doesn't act in it. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to have a Scientologist at my door and he'll be like, what are you doing? And I'll be like, I have no idea. <laughs> he'll, be like, he'll, he'll die in addicts. He'll be, have one of those things from Men in Black to like erase your memory. He'll be like, he'll be like, if you give me $1,300, I will harass you forever. And I'll be like, great. Uh, no, thank you. I'm going to close my door now. <laughs> but, but uh, I cannot believe, I mean, like, the fact that he outright said that. Oh, yeah. And that's incredible. I, I can't imagine, because, like, both Tom Cruise and Christian Bale are, in that same word, the upper echelon of, like, high society Hollywood. So I can imagine they've probably been at similar parties. And, uh, <laughs> like, Tom Cruise has, like, probably gone up to Christian Bale and been like, yo, bro, that's fucked up that you said that. <laughs> and Christian Bale's like, who, me? And then, like, went and downed, like, five more cocktails. Right. Uh, but yeah, so with American Psycho, so uh, this is, and then this kind of is involving the fandom in this sense. The first time I was exposed to American Psycho, uh, I was in my, I was, I was with uh, an ex-boyfriend, my first boyfriend at the time, and he showed it to me. Oh. And it was, it was. I have to express for any woman who's in, who enjoys. Uh, movies like Fight Club, like American Psycho, which kind of have this very strict uh, male fan base. I was like in love with it. I thought it was amazing. Also, because I thought Christian Bale was hot. But uh, and I, I mean, also, I mean, yeah, it looks great in it. Um, if that's if that scene is if that scene where he's standing in the shower is not entirely for women who are attracted to men, then I don't know. Like, I, you know, the only reason I am the uh, the only film I've ever found Christian Bale attractive in, and I'm including all of the Batmans because uh, when. Christian Bale grows a goatee. He looks exactly like my uncle. And I'm just like, wow. Oh, man, that's disgusting. Oh, you're the ugliest <laughs> motherfucker I've ever seen in my life. And uh, so it's it's great to know that I will never, ever... Like, American Psycho is like a very brief moment of when I found uh, Christian Bale attractive. But uh, so I watched it with my boyfriend. And he's... He was... I... I I, I cannot express to you how obsessed he was with this film. More so than Fight Club. This one was what he was obsessed with. Um, and, I mean, not saying anything, like, okay. not trying to give any details away about him, but he and his family were extreme, are, excuse me, are extremely wealthy, as far as I am aware to this day. Okay, I was going to say, the American Psycho lifestyle strictly fits him more than yeah. Fight Club ever would. He would never be able to relate to Fight Club. No, no. Because Fight Club is about that lower rung of of masculinity where you're just kind of you're you're blue collar. No, you're really ignored by a lot of society. That what was it, silent majority that fucking they use all the goddamn time? Jesus Christ. But that's exactly the kind that's the kind of audience that uh that Polonuk is that am I saying his name last name right? Polonyuk. Ch- Polonyuk is writing about he's writing about this this uh these these white men specifically who feel unseen even though they are very much uh you know privileged in the sense that even though they're unseen they'll never be checked out they could carry an ounce of weed on them they could carry six kilos of cocaine and nobody's gonna stop them you know yeah uh so whereas american psycho is is a privilege in a way more grandiose sense like you are a literal murderer and nobody gives a fuck because you are so goddamn rich and for my boyfriend he was uh, like the paul there's a scene with all of the uh business cards one of the most famous scenes in the movie along with the murder of paul allen um, AKA Jared Leto. Love that scene for me. I have fun Lo- with it. I love that scene for me. <laughs> it's great. I love it for me. It cleanses my pores. I oh. feel better afterwards. Okay. Um, 
can we just point out that last episode we made a joke about how it's not bad that Gerald let Jared Leto got the shit kicked out of him, and in this one we're talking about how it's not am, bad that he got killed. I am literally like, like I'm just trying to like remain at a steady pace because I have an infant on my chest, so I'm, I'm just sorry, like, I'm no, sorry. no, you're good because it's so true. Literally, all of these movies, like the director's like, what if we killed Jared Leto? <laughs> <laughs> instant blockbuster and test audiences were like i love this film can we get some sequels <laughs> maybe he's got twin brothers <laughs> oh my god uh, um but yeah so the scene with paul allen where they're like showing off these business cards that to any person ever would go ah yes business uh the business of cards and you they're they're all the same excuse me my font is times new roman and this is eggshell with a with an embossed font and you'd be like that's those i'm i'm confused why do you think i give a fuck and yeah i remember watching that scene and being like this is a world i will never understand (laughs) and and i okay so can't use names not using names but my boyfriend i'm just gonna say my boyfriend so i don't say his name um my boyfriend with a code name because i feel like he's gonna come come up let's call him paul because of paul allen (laughs) Yeah. Great. Awesome. I'm literally never going to mention him again after this episode, but I have to because the, he is so intrinsic to why I love this film. Um, because it is, it, it the irony was completely lost on him as to the scene of the men sharing the business cards. It is, it is this uh, pissing contest of, of the, the most minuscule proportions I could ever imagine. And he would, he knew that scene by heart the whole goddamn scene he like i know every line in anchorman and he every line because that's fucking normal (laughs) like like i could like one of my favorite lines in anchorman is like the bears the bears can smell their menstruation because i think that's hysterical to me but like being able to quote verbatim a line in which millionaires exchange business cards um and then it's just it makes it it makes me crazy because how can you not as a human look at that scene and go oh they're all stupid as hell because they're they're getting they're getting obsessed over who's got the best business card when objectively if you were to take all 10 of them shuffle them in a deck and then hand them to an average person on the street especially in New York and go which one of these 10 is the best they'd go you know that that office meme where it's like Pam is like this is the same picture. <laughs> yes, it's the same. That's... It's the same. It's the same business card. They'd be like, I think this one's font's a little different from this one. Well, this one's an eggshell and this one's in cream. And you'd be like, I didn't know we were on House Hunters. What's going on here? It's like uh, that. Um, it's like that. Uh, Hannibal Burris meme from the Eric Andre show where you know he's like pretzels is the same. It's like business cards is the same. <laughs> it is, and it's it's it drives me up a wall that as someone who is affluent, you couldn't look at that scene and go, well, this is the equivalent of somebody showing off like a thousand dollar pair of sneakers comparing it to another thousand dollar pair of sneakers it's not it's just there's a there's a disconnect from humanity in that sense and and being able to know it by heart you're also a little disconnected from humanity like one of my favorite like quotable parts of um of american psycho is after he kills paul allen and he goes try getting a reservation at dorsey and now you fucking prick and i i guess in that moment i relate to him most because like there are absolutely things that people have done that have pissed any human off like you'll have a coworker, you'll have a relative you'll have somebody who will just like like you know 
brag about the stupidest shit. Like, they'll be like, I just got a new Lincoln. And you're like, that sounds great, Doug. And they're like, but did you know it has all-wheel drive? And that's included in the base price. And you're like, awesome. And also, there's an GPS system in the back seat so that the kids can see where we're going like a plane. All right, can you shut the fuck up now? <laughs> it's It's amazing. It's amazing. But... For, I think for any normal person, if they had a relative bragging about their wealth, they'd be like, shut the fuck up. I don't give a shit. Whereas with Patrick, this Dorcia reservation just is like this, this I cannot have it thing. And because he can't have it, he wants it more than anything. Will, willing so to kill a coworker over that. I mean, I've wanted to kill my coworkers before. But not, not over, over a like, reservation. Yeah. Like, imagine, hey, I got a reservation at Chili's. I had endless margaritas and they comp my meal. And you'd be like, that's cool. I'm going to have to kill you now. I don't even get bottomless margaritas at Chili's. And that's that's like one time a year at Applebee's. And Chili's got objectively better margaritas. <laughs> God, um, it's just, it's very indicative of being out of touch, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... The, the whole, the, I mentioned before, like, this whole keeping up appearances thing, like, he goes to such great lengths to play the part of the vice president of this, and then this, just this random co-worker who is not at as high a status as him is excelling in this one field that doesn't fucking matter. That's how quickly he unravels. Like... And you know what's even crazier is that this this uh, company that they work for, I think it's Pearson Pierce is the name. Mm-hmm. They have like 10 vice presidents. Every single one of his friends and Paul and everybody in that room is a vice president. And you kind of, I think, I think that's something that's not really touched upon as much, but it's kind of like, oh, you mean those bigger uh, substant- substantive roles in a corporation, in a company, you can have 30 different vice presidents, but if it's not, incre- it's not improving workflow, if nothing's getting done, if they're just sitting in a conference room, pissing about and just talking over fucking nothing about who got, who's you go boss suit. It's, it's really, I think it's also indicative of the corporate structure, like your, mm-hmm. your upper, upper, upper management just don't give a fuck about the little guy. I mean, the the character that Chloe Sevigny plays, it really does. She's I I remember being that 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 worker, the the one who tries so hard to impress your boss, and you're like, I'm gonna get a promotion if I just am constantly at beck and call and like overworking and all this stuff. And in the end, it's just you know he wants to shoot her in the head with a nail gun, which is I would I I'm not gonna say every CEO would shoot their under management with in the head with a nail gun, but I'm not not gonna say it. I'm not not gonna say it. (laughs) (laughs) I I think the um it's like the little guy is so disposable. Like ultimately, I I worked um this is again this is I I this is not the first nor the last time I'll mention this in this podcast. But when I worked for a major for a major arts nonprofit. I thought that if I worked hard enough, I, I essentially was paid slave wages to work an actual job. Oh, yeah. It was $25 and a day. $25 a day to do the work that an actual employee did. Whereas the other intern who sat next to me did filing all day. And I Ugh. worked my ass off and I was let go. You and know? it's ridiculous because it's this, there's this disposability of 
of uh, of the you know the, the bottom rung of your company like if you are not a manager if you're not a vp you can be let go and nothing really bad will happen if a vp is let go or quits there's this like sudden scramble to try and find someone to replace them and it's not even i wouldn't even say and that like vice presidents may have some kind of authority with regards to where the the department or wherever you are is functioning as a whole but with regards to day-to-day -day operations like his secretary, Chloe Svenye, was responsible for keeping his calendar and, like, answering all the phone calls that come in. And based on what Patrick did on a daily basis, you're like, ah, he does nothing. So she must be, like, I worked for, uh, you know, somebody similar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not going to say shit. Um, but I worked for somebody similar. And you get a call, and a client would call, and they'd be like, hi, I need to speak to um such Bert, and, and you'd be like uh yeah hold on one moment let me check if he's in the office because that is what i had to respond every time even if he was in the office and then i'd put him on hold and then i'd buzz Bert, and i'd be like Bert, um yeah sarah walensky's on the phone she wants to know why you haven't responded to her emails or phone calls uh yeah tell her i'm out of the office today okay hi sarah he's not in the office today <laughs> and and they can do that and it's so like it's so insidious. Like, oh, it's horrible. And that's what American Psycho, American Psycho has several different things all about it. But I think its overarching theme is men in power are kind of fucked and we should all be aware of this. Yes. <laughs> Everyone's like, I, I guess. <laughs> no, no, not even like, I mean, my response is, uh, yeah. And the women who wrote and directed the film um, David Cronenberg was originally attached to this. Can you believe that? Like, that's. I mean, I also, I, re I also remember reading that Leonardo DiCaprio was attached to play Patrick Bateman, but oh, I just don't believe that. I mean, not that Leonardo DiCaprio isn't a good actor. I mean, he plays Calvin Candy in Django Unchained very well. He's good at playing psychopaths, but it, I think Patrick is a. It's a different kind. I mean, Patrick and like Patrick Bateman and Bruce Wayne are two of the same kind of human. Mm-hmm. And it's just very privileged, rich, white, fancy lads. <laughs> just one just happened to kill people in a bat suit, and one just happened to do it in a wetsuit. So it's not too different. Like it's not. I think it's just it's it's so like it it's just so fitting that he played Patrick Bateman first. And then he later went on to play Bruce Wayne. And I think the reason that uh, he played Bruce Wayne with such finesse is because Patrick and Bruce are very, very similar. And I am going to get so many Batman people screaming at me. And I'll be like, all right, I think we've all agreed that Batman could have done a lot more for Gotham besides being Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like he's, he's cosplaying justice, essentially. He's like, I'm going to dress in some skimpy costumes and go save the day. And it's like, how about donating like $400 million to the infrastructure of the city? Maybe. Like, Here's a hot take. Patrick Bateman is Bruce Wayne, but like in a realistic version of him. Yeah, to me. <laughs> like if Bruce Wayne were a real human, he would not be Batman. He'd be Patrick Bateman because he could absolutely take advantage of that power and wealth that he has. I was watching, um, oh, we're actually going to talk about this in our next episode, but Bojack Horseman deals with this. And there is a conglomerate billionaire. And uh, at one point in the uh, show, he um, he kills a, a worker of his, he kills an employee. And uh, and there's an, you know, an investigative report. And 
the work the um the ceo goes oh yeah no didn't you know it's legal to kill someone if you have a billion dollars and then uh diane the character goes no that can't be true and then she looks it up and she's like well it's not gonna get passed by the house or the or the senate but it's not gonna hit the, the, the okay like she's acknowledging <laughs> that we would absolutely allow billionaires to kill people and mm -hmm. American Psycho further compounds on that because, of course, we would. Uh, you have money and power to buy innocence, basically. Uh, buy a not guilty verdict. Other people aren't afforded that. And even with Patrick, it even doesn't go so far to say is he doesn't even... He, he has enough money to buy a not trial. Like, he doesn't have to worry about going to trial. Oh, excuse me, going to trial because he's... He's got... He's surrounded by the most affluent powerful people in the entire world at the end of the movie he's call he calls this lawyer he's having this breakdown because there's uh helicopters flying overhead he's murdered police officers in a shootout in which he should have really technically died during um he's killed like seven different people over the course mm -hmm. of like five whole minutes and then he gets up to his office building calls his lawyer and he confesses to everything that he killed everybody that he killed and um and in the book, actually, because in the movie, he talks about everyone that he killed. Uh, and they don't really talk about every, uh, they don't show every person that he's murdered, but in the book, they do. So if you do want to check that out, the book and the movie are very, very, I think, close in terms of representation. It's just the book has a lot more details with regards to Patrick's murders. Well, yeah, because the book is a first person narrative. So, like, it um, is necessarily that kind of close perspective. Yes, yes. So you get to see it from his eyes. I mean, movies usually... I mean, to be fair, American Psycho is kind of from his perspective. It is kind of, but it also, you know, like, you get more scope of, like, the outside world and of other characters' oh, motivations. No, no, no. It's okay. It's okay. Patrick Bateman won't get you because Patrick I Bateman will, will get kill you, him instead. Say hi. No, girl slow okay anyway and we're back hi uh just had a little little one got hungry it's parenthood it is um but yeah uh so i i can't remember where we left off but that's just due to you know the fact that i sleep four hours <laughs> that's totally fine um i uh i think we um we're talking about corporate structure yeah right we were talking about corporate structure. Um, we were um, we were talking about um, how Bruce how Bruce Wayne and oh, Patrick yes. Bateman are the same person, um, and how if Bruce Wayne were real, uh, he'd be he'd act more like Patrick Bateman because there is this. Oh yes, the end of the film. We were talking about the end of the film. I remember. Yes, we do. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so. So, uh, with regards to, uh, the end of the film, he, he calls his lawyer and he, you know, he says he confesses to everybody that he killed. And then the next day he sees his lawyer and his lawyer's like, that was a very funny joke. And he confesses to the murder of Paul Allen. And the lawyer goes, oh no, Paul is in London. Even though, uh, Patrick absolutely created a lie. He recorded over Paul's voicemail, everything. He packed a bag. He pretended that Paul went to London, but turns out that this lie was either the truth or everyone's covering for him. Yeah, and no one, and it is left open-ended. Yes. Whether or not this is the actual truth or whether this is, you know, 
Oh, yeah. Um, and it kind of goes back to this, uh, the BoJack Horseman thing where it's like, a billionaire absolutely could get away with um <laughs> with murder yeah absolutely you can you could murder 45 million people i guess as a billionaire but as long as you continue to contribute to the economy that's all that matters mm -hmm. to to the american mindset i think that's what we need to point out is this bo this book slash movie is called american psycho not rich millionaire from around the world kill people like <laughs> and this is um this is such an essentially like a quintessentially american story and it's like very much to do with the american financial structure very much to do with the american class structure um very much to do with uh, like how the american white man yeah. is and also like how white men relate to each other in this country because yeah. Um, you know, and we're going to get into the kind of pop culture aspect of this later because, um, two of the murder scenes in this film involve, uh, uh, I, Patrick Bateman's frankly encyclopedic knowledge of 80s music. Um, it's, it's amazing because it's not, the, the songs that he chooses to murder people to are Huey Lewis in the news, hip to be a square and Phil Collins to studio. And you're just like, I, I, I'm like, fucking genesis man like i i mean i i, I love susudio but <laughs> it's, it's just it's so it's so crazy um i mean it's it's you're right it is encyclopedic he before he murders them his calling card whereas dexter's like i will wrap you in plastic and i will read to you your crimes patrick's like uh so what i'm gonna do is tell you everything i know about you lewis in the news and i'm gonna murder you sound good all right cool bye in the, it's so it's really genius structuring because it displaces the victim from the situation they're in because it's like this guy is brandishing an axe that is real shiny and yes. he's he's getting he's getting all geared up and you know what's gonna happen like you you know that if you're in that situation things are not looking good for you and he's like yeah so uh the hiss a bit of history about this song and just goes on he talks about the pleasures of conformity i i think it's completely lost on the audience because we're all sitting there with bated breath knowing that paul is going to die and instead like he's giving it he's giving an explanation on how this deep deep meaning of when Huey lewis and the news wrote this song they were talking about the pleasures of conformity yeah and it's like it kind of um it, it showcases this type of neurodivergence that I think is really interesting because um, it he he truly feels this is relevant. Like, yes. He truly, this isn't just a, this isn't a distraction thing. This isn't a way to throw Paul Allen off. This is, you know, um, this is not about like, oh, you know, no one suspects the Spanish Inquisition. It's not about that at all. <laughs> he is very much like, oh, this is the thesis of why I am about to hack you into a million pieces. And, you know, and you're going to listen and you're going to like it. It's the soci it's it's the sociopathy Ooh. that really gets me. <laughs> like the Oh, I mean, and that's and that's what's I'm burping a baby. So I'm going to continue talking. But I just wanted to give you all a heads up. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed because I'm also of the, of the, uh, ilk that I have a random assortment of, of movie knowledge and te television knowledge and, uh, man, oh man, um, 
it's definitely something to see a serial killer, like a very famous fictional serial killer, uh, just murder someone after giving a bunch of information about Huey Lewis in the news, in which I go, oh, wow, that's really interesting. The thing is, um. yeah, no, you're absolutely right, though. It is so, you have that, I have that, like media literate people of the United States of a certain, you know, like educational class and like all that, even not of a certain educational class, like have that this sort of bank of knowledge that we're ready to spew at any time. And that's what sets us culturally apart from like European people or like East Asian people or like it's just not the same. Like American pop culture is so pervasive you know it's i mean absolutely i have had literal relatives tell me like wow how do you remember all this and i'm like because imdb is a free app and i just go on it and read all the time and because it's fun and i don't know what else to tell you man and i retain this information because apparently french wasn't that important to me (laughs) (laughs) well the um the the information age i mean this is set in the 80s like computers are really like Oh, she's upset again. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> she is allowed. Um, she's she's upset that we're talking about pop culture. Um, <laughs> she's like, how dare you mention uh, pop culture? Oh, speaking of, Daddy, you want to take baby? Yes, I do. Oh, good, good, good. Actually, <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Yes, you're good. Hi, hi, hi. Here you go. I gave her the two ounces of formula. Oh, goody. Yeah. Hi, cutie. Oh, All right, there it's almost go. like you guys are here with us. <laughs> and on next episode of Leave It Alone to Beaver, I guess. I don't know. What was that show about? Anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, Fleaver, uh, I guess. Um, but, but yeah, um, continue. Yeah, so... Um, um, oh, uh, where was I? <laughs> uh, so we were talking about... Um, oh, my God. Um, just got to work our way through. <laughs> it's okay. It's, this is our first episode recording. It's fine. <laughs> yes. And, exa- and I mean, you know, luckily it's, it's, it's because, uh, as the years go by this and the months go by, she'll get a lot better in terms of during the day, at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, um, yeah, let's just move. We'll just work our way back to the idea that, oh, pop culture and how we all know everything about, oh. you know, I know what I was going to say. Okay. Um, We, uh, computers and, like, the internet was not invented really until, like, widespread internet usage was not really a thing until the 90s, but, like, sort of um, technology and things being integrated in our lives and, like, bookstores being accessible and, like, CDs being, like, like, you could play music in your car and, like, you know, all this, um... All this yeah. stuff was like really like like evolved and like te- technology was starting to you know like do the kind of doubling per year thing that it has started to do, yeah. and thus um, Patrick would have access to all of this information in a way that somebody he maybe ten years ago wouldn't have. So mm. um, it is definitely like an indication of uh, indication of the changing times. Sure. Like the 1980s were like a really interesting like, and this was set in like the late 80s because Huey Lewis and the News that song came out in 86. So yeah, I believe it's set in either 88 or 89. Yeah. So um, 
things. It was, like, the turn of the last decade of the 20th century. Like, a lot of, like, it was a very, like, peak pinnacle time for certain types of pop culture, certain types of, like, music innovation, certain types of, like, um, like, like, tech was, like, evolving and, like, a rapid, like, revolving door. Can I just say something that I'm, as we're talking about this, all I think is how apropos is it that I am mentioning all these little facts and tidbits about American Psycho, and in the exact same moments we're talking about how Patrick Bateman offers all these facts and tidbits about his, you know, his given music of choice, whether that be Phil Collins or Huey Lewis in the news. And I, I just, I think it's, it's absolutely amazing because I think a character like Patrick Bateman, they made an American Psycho too with uh, Mila Kunis. And in fact, it just was the only thing it had in common with American Psycho was the name. Um, <laughs> other than that, she was not the same kind of person. Uh, she wasn't, she didn't come from the same kind of affluent background. I really would love to see something like that, but historically female serial killers uh, are not people people like Mila Kunis and it's just you know you got like listen I would absolutely be willing to believe I, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief with regards to could a man kill his co-worker especially if they're both vice presidents and get away with it I'd be like yeah that sounds pretty realistic to me whereas like Mila Kunis in that movie I believe she kills like half of her classmates or whatever and you're just like um I, I, I mean, listen, I get it. I went to college. I'm aware. But why? Well, <laughs> Just um, go out of... <laughs> I mean, it was also written terribly. The, the Patrick Bateman character kind of necessarily has to be a man. Because, um, and you you know me, normally I'm like, hell yeah, like, gender switch it up. Like, I'm interested in seeing, like, a female, female psychopath dynamic. But women's motivations for murdering people are usually different. Absolutely. And, and um... It is much more believable that a man, especially a man in power, would kill just because. Oh, huh. yes. I mean, I think with uh, with with uh, the idea of a woman serial killer, it's 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 so weird to me. I know this sounds strange, but I'm also very big into the true crime like genre, and uh, and women serial killers, it's. It's really if you if you look this up, uh, the two most common groups that women serial kill are children, which are their own, and uh, their families. Uh, it, and it's it's not it's I mean for, for there's there's cases like you know Eileen Wuornos who were killing uh, you know Johns because she was a sex worker, but it's not it, it's nothing it's nothing to the degree and severity of Patrick. Patrick is I mean you have people Patrick is is basically like a prototype of a lot of different serial killers. I believe uh, there's a serial killer I. Just just listen to the, uh, this podcast more, but it was like an older episode. I think it was Robert Edmondson um, or Robert something. Uh, and he killed a bunch of sex workers. I mean, we're talking about 20. And his friends and family were giving him alibis when they know he wasn't with them that day because they just believed he wasn't capable of doing the things he was doing. Um, and I mean, even in that sense, uh, he quotes, he misquotes Ed Gein which is, it's actually an Ed Kemper quote. Um, when I see a pretty girl, I'd like, I think two things. One, I'd like, you know, to take her out and dress her up and bring her out a nice dinner. And then his friend goes, and what's the other? What her head would look like on a stick. That's actually not Ed Gein. That's Ed Kemper. Uh, and Ed Kemper is a perfect example of this Patrick Bateman-esque like man. He is hyper intelligent to the point where it's, it's like he's he's uh, lost all ap apathy. He's lost all empathy. He's lost all. He is a sociopath and a psychopath all rolled into one because he has this this disconnect from humanity. But he's intelligent enough to know 
he has a disconnect from humanity. He knows this isn't normal, which is why uh, for Ed Kemper, he became friends with police. For Patrick, he knows that his money and his power protect him. And it's like he even says in the beginning of the film when he's peeling away his his uh, his peel off face mask, which uh, love those. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, even though you may see me, I am not there. And it's it's just this real like. Uh, transparency that he has with the audience that he's like yeah i'm not a human i'm barely a person i'm more of an idea or a concept or a shell Uh, in a very attractive body yeah so here's the thing um i find that incredibly interesting the fact that you know they can both place themselves in that place and yet like a they man. They still do what they do. <laughs> like a man. Completely. Like, we talked about this, um, we talked about this, uh, in our Fight Club episode to a much lesser degree, obviously, because they're not, like, they're not really killing people. Um, like... I mean, it, mostly, it, it, okay. <laughs> yeah, I know, like, they're, they're not, he's not, like, hacking a people with an axe um no i mean it's it's all it's all very much in the same uh minds like fight club they're not murdering people that aren't uh like willingly joining into fight club and getting the shit kicked out of them that's what i mean it's a consensual experience but like uh, (laughs) it's consensual murder you know (laughs) what's a little killing between friends but um (laughs) and look it we'll have meatloaf i'm sorry that was a really bad joke guys (laughs) no it was really good what are you talking about we'll have Um, some meatloaf he's on the um, table it's this notion of American men be in fucking capable of taking accountability for their own goddamn actions. Be like, I was there physically, but mentally, I am a wolf. Like, I don't know. Exactly. And it's, it's, it's something that, I mean, and maybe the reason I'm obsessed with uh, American Psycho is, is a true crime in general brings about this. I, I, I think it's like this quest for, or this, this, this like knowledge that I have to have because not that I'm assuming that uh, a serial killer will just pop up in the middle of wherever that I'm living and like just go on a rampage and just you know pick off people one by one. But it's just to have this knowledge of, of this naivete of. Of, of superiors, of, uh, of, a, of a friendly neighbor, of, some, of a police officer or whatever. This, it's, it's, this, it's, it's this encouragement of don't be as naive as you want to be. Uh, because people aren't always good. Approach everything with this very intense caution. Uh, because it's, it's not, you're not meant to, you know, if you offend someone, you offend someone. But it's better off to offend someone than to end up dead or, you know, missing. And it's... And I think American Psycho absolutely shows on that because Patrick is this like, like his character, uh, Chloe Venier's character, she's, she thinks he's hot. She's like, oh my God, my boss is so cute. And then he takes her, like he brings her to his apartment. And the only reason he doesn't kill her is because uh, the Reese Witherspoon character who plays his fiance, uh, she calls in the middle of uh, like her at his apartment right before he kills her, right? He's about to kill her. And she just kind of shits on, like, she she basically uh, alerts Chloe Svenier's character to the fact that he is engaged. And, and you know, this is, it, and it's weird to, for, for her to kind of 
not be aware of the fact that Patrick is standing behind her with a nail gun to her head and instead is aware of the fact that he is a fiance and he may be actively cheating on her with his secretary. And you just, there's this juxtaposition that you're like, I said, wow, that's, uh, I think upon review, that's pretty heavy handed. It, It really is. It's kind of the, it's this automatic prioritization of like, a man's fidelity, a man's image over her own safety, which is like, (laughs) it's so, it's so telling. It's so, the fact that she's just like, oh, okay. And he's literally behind her (laughs) with a nail gun, guys. It's a nail gun. Um, And I think, I think that's where a lot of the fandom loses me with regards to like, I, I mean, I, I would I would I would argue that a lot of fandoms, especially like if it's a male centered piece, like we're talking, you know, Fight Club, American Psycho, hell, even Anchorman to a degree, there's this idea of you know they're they're talking to this story about men, but there's a there's a uh, a subtext of women and 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 the experience of the women in their lives. Now the men are the main characters, obviously, but I think a lot of women can watch these movies and go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, even Anchorman to a degree, it's 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 even more so heavy-handed, but I think a lot of people it was lost on them because it was so heavy-handed about how women in the workplace and these, you know, these big moves in the 70s to diversify the workplace by making it a multi-gendered workplace. Are you shitting me? That sounds illegal. Um, I think that both of these properties in different ways, both Anchorman, of course, in a comedic way, and yes, in a very, very heavy-handed way, and American Psycho in a much more, like, subtle way, kind of speak to the fact that a woman is always going to be capable of putting herself in a man's shoes. Like, where, because that is how we've been conditioned, whereas Mm -hmm. a man doesn't have to put himself in our shoes. You know, like, the narrative is catered toward him. And I would even argue that women will go through hell to try and like like the, the please compar- a man yes exactly like the uh the sex worker that that he that he has the first experience with uh to where they have sex to susudio um I'm not really great with these characters' names. It sucks. Um, but And then he goes back to her later on in the movie, and she goes, I can't go with you anymore. I needed a doctor after last time. And the movie doesn't really, like, it elaborates in a very, very, I think for a lot of the audience, it's subtle, um, because he pulls open a drawer, and you see, like, a lot of tools, and you're like, oh, he's going to murder these women. But then uh, it cuts to them leaving his apartment. And they have some bruises and scratches and scars and things. But it's not, it's it's such a dark hallway that the only way you'd catch it is if you were staring and, re- like, it takes two to three, like, watch throughs to really catch what's going on in that scene. And uh, it, for me, <clears throat> what I took away from that scene was that uh, for any amount of money, these women were, you know, whether it was a high-end escort or, or somebody who worked on the street, uh, they were being subjected to probably some terrible abuse that they have uh, at the behalf of the John. And because this is their line of work, they have to go back to it. And yeah. the John would offer more money and they have to go back to them because they need that money. And uh, like, it's it's something that, you know, or, or even, it, I'm not even going to really compare Reese Witherspoon's character's plights because I think she's, her character, I think, stands to reason that rich white women will stand by and not do shit when their husbands do shit, you know? I mean, you know, we talk about the whole, like, what is it, the 53 or 57% of people of, like, white women in 2019 voted for, 20, 
16 voted for Trump. So, like, you gotta, it's, it's proven in society. I think that, um, I think that the screenwriters and director really wanted to highlight the fact that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to come out here and say that, you know, before I go into this, that I do feel some, I do feel some sympathy for men, especially young men, because I feel like a lot of, a lot of young men who aren't exceptional, who are like Paul, for example, um, yes. you know, Paul is not like a particularly athletic person or like a very... <laughs> You know, <laughs> I'm I will abstain. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about like kind of like nerdy guys, skinny guys, you know, or like overweight guys or like guys that don't fit this kind of like alpha male. And Patrick Bateman is an alpha male. He is like he is like. Yeah, like no, I, I, I absolutely I absolutely agree with with what you're I know what you're going to say. And I just want to say preemptively, I agree with the sentence uh, because <laughs> you're right. He's Patrick Bateman represents everything that they strive to be because they think he is the pinnacle of human achievement, yes. of masculine achievement. He is doing what they fantasize about doing. He is doing what media has told, like media has poisoned these young men. And then, oh, girls are to blame for your problems. Like, yeah. you can abuse them. That's okay. Or like other men are the enemy. Take out the enemy. And Patrick yep. Bateman is doing these things, and the writer and director are being like, hey, this is not okay. Like, you know, like, we're pointing out the fact that, like, he realized what he was doing was wrong, and, like, the world covers for his ass, and, or he doesn't or you know like these are just fantasies that shouldn't be acted on it's like whoosh like just over their heads absolutely and that's the that i mean i wouldn't okay issue's the wrong word but there's there's a problem with art in that sense that art is subjective it's completely you look at it and you interpret it in the way you want to interpret it just like we watch american psycho and we see it for the aspects that mary heron directed it for she directed it Thank in you, such a way right. yes <laughs> i remember it because uh, i've watched the opening credits 16 times and her her name is shown last so good on you mary proud of you Hell yeah, girl. <laughs> um, uh it's of course it is she's the director sorry i had to correct myself <laughs> um so uh mary heron you know i think the way this this movie movie is staged it's the way it's directed and uh and dressed and everything like that it's this this whole complex picture of you know uh everything men specifically rich men white men powerful men can get away with uh every and it's not just murder it's everything cheating on their spouse um you know uh it's it's uh not doing the job at work like just fucking around all day uh and we i mean we didn't even talk really about willem defoe's character to be fair willem defoe's character just serves as an ineffectual police officer um to most i mean he's one it's wonderfully acted but it's it's just, he just there are other pieces of media in which we can talk about the NYPD being ineffectual. And <laughs> There's a lot of them. One of them is Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, man. Uh, and they have Willem Dafoe in common. See you guys next week. No. Um, what is and what is Death Note? And <laughs> but it's, it's true. It's true. There's there's his character is ineffectual. He's and the way they shot the scene 
was they did three takes. Uh, they had Willem Dafoe play the scene first all the way through where he believed Patrick was innocent. Then there was a scene all the way through where he believed Patrick was guilty. And then there was a scene all the way through where he was ambiguous. He was kind of, you know, parsing it out and seeing how Patrick would respond to his questions. And then Mary Heron looked at all three takes and went, mash them together, please. Oh, gosh, <laughs> she's such a fucking genius. It's so smart because... I think that is absolutely how the police, I don't, I don't give a shit how inflammatory this is, is absolutely how the police would approach a hedge fund billionaire uh, being accused of murdering a coworker or a coworker going missing, quote unquote. You'd be like, oh, oh yeah, he was in London, but, but he said he was with you the night before. That's so, <laughs> it's like, there's just writing on the wall, this man killed Paul Allen. And Willem Dafoe's like, hmm. I gotta check that. <laughs> no, it's like it's like that fucking Arthur meme where DW's like, it's a good thing I can't read. <laughs> and that's it. And that's it at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it's it's these all these different people and uh, structures of power that will keep rich the rich rich and in power and will continue to oppress and, and hurt not just, you know, homeless people and sex workers, but literally everyone else down the chain. Yeah. And it's not a case of, well, if it doesn't affect me, I don't care about it. A.K.A. how Ruth, Ruth Barrymore. Oh, my God. Okay, guys. Um, how I literally was like Ruth Barrymore. As, you know, Reese Witherspoon's and Drew Barrymore's, uh, you know, a child. Um, Megan has had 18 hours of sleep over the past two weeks. It's good. It's good, guys. Uh, but Reese Witherspoon's character, how she's just like... You know, she's, I mean, she's cheating on uh, Patrick with his friend, and he doesn't care, and his friend doesn't care, and Reese Witherspoon doesn't care. God, why is everyone a hoe? Like, come on. It's, it's, you know what? It's the New York, it's the 80s, they're doing a lot of cocaine in the bathrooms. Um, and that's, again, again, Sounds like doing school. cocaine in the bathrooms, not getting caught with it, being able to, to bribe us, uh, the bodyguard or the security guard into the clubs. Um, and then those goddamn spiels about, we've got to end apartheid in South Africa. Oh, really, Patrick? How are you going to do that? I just wanted to talk about it and convince all my friends. We're pandering. We're just pandering a lot. I feel better. How about you guys? Yeah, we all feel good? Okay, great. Let's get some drinks. Like, like we're that gonna is literally... We're going to set up a committee to talk about it, you know? <laughs> it's it's great. I mean, I this is why I love American Psycho. American Psycho, for me, is just a critique of... Two, a two-hour critique of why rich people suck. And I'm just, like, here for it. I love it. If I watch another rich white man go, this is a phenomenal film, and then I give him my take, it's it's great. It's I mean, I'm in the equivalent category of, like, when a guy says he loves harem anime, and I'm like, well, let me tell you why I love harem anime. And they, like, start to be, pique their interest, and they're like, oh? And then I'm like, and so, by having a diverse cast of women... <laughs> God. And an inadequate man, it actually showcases that men don't need to necessarily, like, the guy will just tune the fuck out. He'll be like, that's not what I was hoping. I was hoping you were going to mention boobies. I just want to <laughs> um, To sort of end this episode on an interesting note, because we talked about our significant others and yes. our, the major significant, the first significant others we had in life. My first significant other, who I will not name, um... Uh, we'll call him Joe. Uh, I, I will probably never, I will probably never mention him again. But um, he actually, we watched this movie together and he did not get it. He did not relate to it because he is not of that background. He is from a more working class background. 
he very heavily related to to Fight Club. (laughs) It's so interesting how we have those different, like, and I, I will let the audience be aware that in terms of at the time when I was younger, the economic background that I came from is, as I've said in previous episodes, I'm a, a you know child of a single mother, uh, you know who was barely making ends meet, uh, lived in kind of a shitty house. in In terms of finances, uh, not 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 really. Uh, I was very aware of money from a very young age. I was very aware of the status difference in you know in my family from other families from a very young age. So to see this guy that I dated's reaction to this film, and I'm watching it in a completely different horrified sense, and he's watching it like it's the funniest movie he's ever seen in his entire life. I should have broken up with him, guys. I'm aware. (laughs) That's so interesting because um, the guy I dated, um, he and I, I... I kind of took the financial aspect out of it because I grew up from like solidly middle class. Like my parents, like we got by, it was fine. Like we had some money, but you know, not a whole lot. Like it wasn't, you know, like I never wanted for anything, Yeah. but like we were never ever rich. And like, we both kind of had similar reactions to it. Like we enjoyed the film artistically, but like neither of us could relate to it on the level that you're X could relate to it. It's it's interesting. I think it's just very interesting. Um, and it's I I think if you have if the audience has a chance to kind of like mo- watching movies with you know, that deal with someone of a different background that you happen to be friends with. Like, if you have a friend who happens to be exceedingly rich, let them know. I for, I would like money. You can send them to my P.O. box and my Venmo at... Um, <laughs> but uh, it's... it's. I think watching a film, like, I, it's, I think it's American Psycho may be a little bit hard, but, like, watching something like uh, the, the Inadequate Working Class Man trilogy from Adam McKay or something like that, that's a good one to start with, because a lot of dudes love Will Ferrell. Who doesn't love Will Ferrell? Especially in the mid-2000s. That was his heyday. I love Ricky Bobby. Um, but yeah, that if you watch so, it... We have to do that movie. That movie is so funny. <laughs> I want to talk about the entire trilogy. So the trilogy is Step Brothers, um, the Talladega Nights, and Anchorman. And it's just watching that film with, like, somebody who's, like, a dude bro. They love it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god, I love Lamp, bro. Like, it could be completely lost on them. It's great. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to watch someone who who thinks Brick is funny, and then you're like, I <laughs> I don't think you're realizing the irony of the situation. God, that's so rough. But, oh, uh, God. But yeah, this was this is fun. I, I know it sounds weird to talk about American Psycho and be like, this is a fun movie, guys. I had a good time. No, <laughs> it's, it is genuinely, like, it is a disturbing watch, but it's a genuinely fun watch. And, like, I if you're not into gore i don't recommend it but like like yeah yeah no i mean also if you're if you live with your parents i would just not recommend you watch it if they're in the house because if they will you know as parents do they will come in at the most inopportune time and there is an extended sex scene we're talking like watchman length of him having sex with with sex workers and just like looking at himself in the mirror and flexing and if your parents were to walk in during that you'd be like oh my god i'd really really truly be rather watching porn at this moment (laughs) i feel feel like we've all dated that man Yep, yep, we have. <laughs> but this was fun. Uh, we will be back next week to talk about BoJack Horseman. And... Vote, everyone, vote. Yeah, vote, vote. Absolutely, vote. Like, your life depends on it, because it fucking does. It does. All right. <laughs> we love you. Bye. Bye. Mm-hmm.